Welcome to the Basin Church Podcast. And as a church, our mission is to bring hope and wholeness through Jesus Christ. And no matter where you are and as you listen today, we hope that you find hope in Jesus and even move one step closer to being made whole. Life has many altering circumstances. And they're usually accompanied by events that we have planned and also those that we did not. See, we understand that when these things happen, we are faced with a decision in which the direction or path we should take. Which route would be best for us? See, that is true as we move along into adulthood. We glance back at life and look at those events that changed us. And they could have changed us for the better or for the worse, but they've definitely altered our lives. And see, over the next few weeks, we aren't necessarily going to talk about life-altering circumstances, but life-altering prayers. When we think of prayers, though, we may refer to a formula, way that we pray. We may pray rarely or regularly. As we go through the series, though, these prayers have the potential to alter your life for the better. And just like anything, you pray at your own risk and see exactly what happens. See, when we talk about change and you're talking about life-altering events and prayer, it is consistent with change. See, I can point to two instances where I had change in my life, and there was two instances in my life where I broke a bone. Now, I'm just going to tell you the first one. I'm not going to go into the second one. Uh, maybe I'll tell you that a little bit later. But the first time, I was in second grade. Now, do you remember... Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but there was playgrounds uh, right outside fast food restaurants. And these restaurants, or these playgrounds, excuse me, didn't have really any protective, you know, gear around them. Like, it was just like a metal slide, or you had the merry-go-round or the monkey bars. And and I remember when I was in second grade, we, I think it was a Burger King or an Arctic Circle, because I was born in Oregon, and we grew up there until second grade. And I went out to play on the playground and my, my parents are ordering and watching me and and I remember, you know, climbing the stairs to get up the slide. And this slide is just like this, you know, sl- slide that comes down and it's got like one bump and then it goes down. But I remember there was really no protection on the side that they have nowadays. And so what happened was I remember getting up there and I was like, oh, this is really high. Oh. And anytime you are at a place where you're in a high place, you never look down. And so I began to look down, and before I knew it, the next thing I do, I hit the ground. It was black for a second, then I was kind of stumbling around, and then I remember I started to cry because my left hand felt like it was on fire, and I'm holding it against my side, and if you've ever broken a bone, you know what it feels like. I mean, it hurts hurts like I even had to look down at my arm to see if it was actually on fire because that's how bad it hurt but see once you break an arm if you have happened to break a bone you will know the pain that is associated with it and see when it comes to breaking it's never a good thing is it because when something's broken it needs to be fixed but when something is broken we also associate pain with it see the truth of the matter is this that our lives are and can be broken. They can be broken through life circumstances. 
Our lives are broken because what we have done or someone has done to us, directly or indirectly. Think of it in terms of relationships. Relationships can be broken or strained. See, it is the the person who is deeply hurt and upset that they cut off communication with that person. And it goes for weeks, months, or even years. And anyone outside the relationship can begin to glance in and say, that needs to be fixed. What is wrong with those individuals? Why aren't they talking to each other? We all know it needs to be fixed. However, those within the relationship know it needs to be fixed as well. But they aren't willing to make it right. And then when it comes to relationships in love, we use the term broken in that same sense. See, some of us have been loved and we've been in a relationship that probably lasted a long time and it could have all of a sudden um, maybe just been cut off or ended on bad terms. And so what we say after that happens is we say, he broke my heart or she broke my heart. And that's how we express our emotions, that our heart was broken. But see, it's not just in terms of that. Broke my heart is also used when you have compassion. See, may you have may used the term when you saw a horrible situation and you said, that broke my heart. And sometimes we will do what it takes to make the situation right. Because when something is broken, we want to fix it. And so when we look at a horrible situation, we try to fix it. Whether we give money, whether we give our time, we want to fix it. And the broken heart with inside us, the compassion with inside us, compels us to do so. See, maybe you're here and you are broken. And broken to you means that you have no hope. You have been broken in life. And perhaps for you, life was going great, and then all of a sudden, in your words, it turned for the worst. It could have been with you or with someone that was close to you. It could have been a financial or health issue. Or perhaps it was multiple events and issues that led you to this point. And the only way you would describe yourself is this, I have hit rock bottom. See, in going on is a struggle. Is that it as is, if you are lying on your back and you have the decision, what is next? And we know that when you're lying on your back and you've hit rock bottom, there's two choices. Do I choose to get up or give up? See, I believe the answer is not to give up. Because being broken isn't the worst thing. Matter of fact, it just might put you in a place where your life can be changed. It might be the place where transformation might be able to take place in your life. The key is you have to let it. You have to choose. So what do you do? We allow God to make you. See, as we walk today, I want you to grasp one simple truth. And it is this. Letting God break you allows God to make you whole. See, being broken by God can in fact make you whole. And nobody knew this better than David and Paul. See, when you think of David, you think of the shepherd boy who came out to the field. It's a famous story, and he walks out there, and he's bringing out food to his brothers. And he sees the giant, Goliath, defying the army of Israel. And everyone 
that is there before David gets there is afraid. He continues to defy and shout, who will fight me? And then David says, who does this Philistine think he is coming against the Lord's army? And no man is willing to step up and fight him. But then David comes and he, and he says, okay, I'll fight him. You know, nothing really enticed the men to fight him. The, the King Saul would give him uh, riches, would give him uh, his daughter for marriage, but nothing enticed them. But David says, who does he think he is? And then he comes out, he, he takes off and says, I don't want Saul's armor. And he comes at him with armed with a slingshot, and he kills Goliath, and he hits him in the forehead. And, he's, and he dies, and the Philistines scatter. See, that is what we know David for. That shepherd boy who defeated this giant. However, David goes from shepherd to a king. But it just didn't happen right away. See, David was anointed king way before Goliath, and then he began to go back to just attending the sheep. And even here, after he kills Goliath, he is not king. It happens years later, after being on the run from Saul. But see, although he's famous for being the shepherd, he's also famous for being a king. He's famous one king of all of Israel. But however, even though he is famous as the king of Israel, during this time and during the years that he was king, it's when he made his biggest mistake. See, it all happened during the spring when kings went to war. See, this spring, David did not go to war. Poor choice. But he sent his men to battle. He sent Joab. And while they were at war, he was afraid, excuse me, he was outside on the rooftop and he sees a woman. Now he's attracted to this woman and he wanted to be with her. And what happened in those days is nobody could say no to the king. If the king wanted something, he would get it. So he wants this woman and he gets her. So David takes her and is unfaithful to her. He takes another man's wife. Now, he messes up. He causes unfaithfulness for her and her marriage. And since he messes up, he decides that he's going to cover up his mistake. So he devises a plan. So plan A is he calls her husband back from war. And his hope is that he will miss his wife and go to the home and that nobody will think anything of what he did. Right, he comes home from war, he's with his wife, everything's good, the king's off the hook. But calling him home would not get him off the hook. See, the man comes home and he sleeps at the gates. He doesn't go home and see his wife. He sits and sleeps at the gates because he says, how can I go and see my wife when all my men are out there battling? I should be out there. Well, plan A doesn't work. So, what next? David devises plan B. And plan B is to have him, quote-unquote, accidentally killed. So David schemes. He schemes to have him killed. So he tells the men, he sends word to his men out in the fields, and he says this, put him in the front lines. 
And when the fighting starts, I want you to retreat and he will die in battle. Thus, it will get David off the hook and the woman could be his wife. So the battling, battle ensues. They come against the enemy, puts him on the front lines, everyone retreats, and they kill him. Then word gets back, comes back home to the woman, and she grieves. And after she grieves, David takes her as his wife. Now he thinks he gets away with it. He thinks, you know, no one knows, everything's good, but reality is nothing is hidden from God. So God decides that he's going to send a prophet by the name of Nathan to confront and reveal what David had done. Now the reveal that Nathan would would come and talk to David about wasn't confrontational. It wasn't an argument. Nobody raised their voice. It would just come in the simple terms of a story. So Nathan begins his story and says that there was a rich man and a poor man. And the rich man had a lot of sheep and a lot of cattle. He was very, very wealthy. But the poor man had one lamb. And the lamb grew up with him and his children. It shared the man's drink, shared his food, and even slept with the lamb in his arms. And Nathan says, it was like a daughter to him. But one day, Nathan would say, a traveler came to town. The rich man did not want to use one of his own lambs to be prepared for a meal for the traveler. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the traveler. Now, anyone hearing this story would say, well, that's just not right. Justice needs to be served. How could he do such a thing? And when David hears the story, that's exactly how David responds. He says, whoever has done this, may the Lord pay him back four times. May it be so severe on him. Then Nathan gives him the big reveal. He says, David, you're the man. Now, he goes on, and you can just imagine David like, oh, I've just been found out. What I thought I could hide in secret is no longer I am found out. And then Nathan goes on and he tells David that the Lord gave you everything and he delivered everything to you. And if that was not enough, don't you think he would have given you more? Then Nathan begins to tell the consequences of his actions. He says, there will be great calamity in your household and Everyone will see it because what you have done in secret, the consequence will happen publicly. Then David, knowing this, he responds. And he responds the way the Lord would have him. So 2 Samuel 12, 14, David's response to Nathan, and here's what he says. I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. See, even though David messes up, God has grace on him and does not kill him. Why? Because the punishment of murder is what? Death. Now, he doesn't receive death, but he's hit rock bottom. 
He's been found out. He's thinking, what, who else will find out? And what will happen? I'm not going to die, but what will happen? See, despite that, he knows that he's broken. He makes a decision to allow God to make him whole. See, he has a choice. Do I go and pursue and come to God the way I need to, or do I continue to go on my own path? See, he decides to turn towards God, and he requests that God grant him back joy that was found in relationship. And as David begins to do this, he begins to write a psalm. And in the psalm, he explains his feelings. It's Psalm 51, and it says, Right after Nathan came to him, he begins to write the psalm. And in the, in the middle of it, in verse 10, David would say, Hey God, would you give me a clean heart? Would you create a clean heart in me? And renew a right spirit in me. And the word create here is creating something out of nothing. The way God spoke Things into creation. He brought forth and created something out of nothing. Now David is saying, Lord, I want you to create a new heart in me. Would you create something new in me? Something out of nothing. And please, 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 God, he he begs him, don't take your spirit from me. Don't remove your presence from me. And may I have joy once again. See, once David made a mistake... He promised things that he would do if God would forgive him. So in Psalm 51, verse 13, it's a record of of what he writes down. And there's three things in here, starting in verse 13. He says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners will turn back to you. See, in this case, he would teach them God's ways. And God's ways, when it comes to regards of a sinner... A sinner is someone who's doing contrary to what God wants them to do. He's saying that it is being justified by the grace of God. See, David understands this. And in Psalm 32, it's written that blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven and sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin is not accounted against them. So in this case, it's the gospel message. That you are saved not by what you have done or what I have done, but by what God has done. He wants them to understand God's ways in regards to forgiveness. But in order to teach this, David himself must first experience forgiveness. Then he would go on in verse 14 and 15 and And he talks about what he needs to be delivered from. And he says this, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. See, secondly, David says that he will sing and praise God. And it happens when he is delivered from his guilt. The guilt of murder that is hanging over him. He says, once I'm delivered from that, then I could join and will join and praise God. See, the word righteousness here is not so much as God is in himself. It's not the character, but it's rather his righteousness in the justifying of sinners. It means that God acts justly and is faithful to his promise as he forgives sins. 
He is just because he does it through Christ's death, which made the way for right relationship with him. See, he is faithful because of his promise to us. He is faithful, it says in 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful to those who confess and come to him through Christ Jesus. That if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us. See, David knew that God did not desire a simple sacrifice. What David needed was he needed to find forgiveness before he could sacrifice. See, Psalm 51.16 says this, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it to you. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Now to understand this, during David's day, those who sinned, like David did, had to receive a word from a priest or a prophet in order to be forgiven. Then, and only then, could they participate in worship and make peace with God. They could come and begin to make a peace offering to Him. Now, during Paul's day in the New Testament, one must have been broken of self. They would have to acknowledge their need before God to find cleansing and to be renewed. See, sacrifices don't please God, and he won't accept them according to David. And God doesn't want the sacrifice as a means of formalism. Because God's not really concerned about the sacrifice and the formality of it. What God is concerned is about the condition of the heart. Now in verse 17 it says this, David goes on, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Now I love that, but I also love it, how it says it in the message and it brings a little bit more clarity. It says, The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. See, I, I love that because it brings clarity to, to what God wants. And God wants sacrifice from a broken and repentant heart. The sacrifice that we must bring is a crushed, broken heart. A heart that is humble and fully repentant of what we've done. See, even Isaiah would, would kind of talk about this in, in, in his, in his um, book, and he kind of lines it up with what, what um, David is saying here years later. And he says something similar into which he would say this, that God curses those who do not have a humble heart. And he would say that he will not accept their sacrifices, but he blesses those whose hearts are broken before him. See, in order for God to work, you and I must have a broken heart that is humble before the magnitude of our sin and the generosity of God's love. And then Paul in the New Testament would echo this as he writes to the church in Thessalonica. And in his letter in Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, he would say this, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this whole idea of sanctify is what? Set apart. 
that the God of peace, God himself, would set you apart through spirit, soul, and body to be kept what? Blameless. And I really like the message because, again, it gives clarity here. The message says this, May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. And what he put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. Look, he says, if he said it, he will do it. If God says this, he will do it. That God wants to make you holy and whole and set apart. And when he talks about spirit, soul, and body, elsewhere in the scripture, it talks about man being described having two parts, body and spirit, or body and soul. And it's also said that man is have a heart, mind, conscious, and other parts. And so the spirit is to, to your conscious and related, relating to mind and your soul. And he talks about your body, your physical body. But rather, here's the thing, rather than, than only teaching this and teaching two parts, Paul would begin to teach three parts. See, it's the wholeness of man. And Paul was using these three terms here to identify different aspects of personhood in which he wished to emphasize. So he's basically saying that God wants to sanctify not one part of your body, not two parts, but completely, everything that encompasses your body, encompasses you, your spirit, soul, and body, God wants to make whole and wants to set apart. He wants to transform. But it only comes with a broken spirit, with a humble heart. See, the concept of brokenness makes us wince. See, we see brokenness as a bad thing, and the truth is that when the world breaks us, it hurts, and it's bad. But when God breaks us, as Paul would say, it's to make us truly whole again. And the prayer that David prayer, prays in Psalm 51, it's a two-part prayer. It has two parts for those who are in two different places in your life. See, but what it means to you and wherever it lands for you, it means this, that we ask God to break us. And the first part maybe where this lands is for some of you. Maybe it means that you come as you are. It may mean that today you've hit rock bottom, that your life is in a currently in a state of brokenness. You may not have no hope, and you even might feel like not going on. But God doesn't want that for your life. And see, for you, this prayer may mean that you come to Him as you are. You come broken and allow God to put you back one piece at a time. You allow Him to put you together, not according to your plan for your life, but His plan for your life. And coming to him just might be mean for you to begin a relationship with your Heavenly Father. For others of you, it is coming to God and admitting that there are areas and parts that are not like him. 
See, we can be following Christ and we could already come to him, but there are areas that need to be transformed and we need to be more like him. See, so what does this look like? It's like a picture. If you've ever seen an artist back in the old times when they, when they would do a, a statue or a sculpture, they would take a stone to create the statue and he would create what he wanted. See, and, and he begins to take a, a hammer or a chisel or something to hit at the stone. And what does he do? He begins to chink away at the stone. Chink away on this side, and this side, top and bottom. And as he chinks away and begins to take away stuff off the stone, it begins to form to what the artist wants it to be. See, and the final outcome of the statue is a result of him removing pieces that don't need to be there. And for some of us, and maybe it's you, there may be pieces in your life that need to be removed. They need to be completely removed so that God can begin to transform you and begin wholeness to your life. See, if you're broken by the choices, come broken. If you aren't broken by Christ, ask Him to break you. See, this prayer always comes from a place of faith because we trust that being broken is the only way to be truly made whole. And as humans, we are imperfect and we have pieces of our lives that should not be there. So when the prayer says, break me, it allows this to happen. In allowing ourselves to be broken and totally open to God, we're allowing ourselves to be transformed to his perfect image. But as we talk about that, there's going to be some pushback. There's going to be, well, well I don't, I'm not so sure about this. See, the pushback for some might be, I've already tried that. See, it leads us to say, no thanks. I've tried church. I've tried a relationship with Jesus. And I've already tried that. It didn't work. See, and we pass on ourselves being transformed by God. We turn away the opportunity for God to make us whole. And it comes from the perspective that nothing has changed. In fact, some would say or feel that it has even led to more problems. You might even say that there's no significant change when I allowed God to change me. Some may even say they were better off than when they would have asked for it. Now think about this though. You can't try something and expect to be changed right away. See, you, you can't exercise one time and think, oh my gosh, I'm going to be fit and in shape. You can't eat a, a, a plate of broccoli one time and say, oh, okay, great, I'm healthy. No, it doesn't work like that. And just because you tried God once doesn't mean it's just going to work. You have to do it over time. And you've got to stay in the relationship and allow Him to work on you. That's when real change happens. You might have tried it, but there needs to be continual movement with your Heavenly Father to bring about change. And maybe the other thing that sits with some people, and they say, not even God can fix that part of my life. 
See, and what we might be saying, or some might be saying, is this, I've tried and tried to fix it. I've read books, I've gone to counseling, I've changed habits, but nothing. See, there's a sense that we will never be able to fix it. This is who I am, and this is what I've always done. In essence, you're saying, there is no hope for me. See, if you can't fix it, then surely you're thinking God can't fix it. And saying that is not true by any means. Anything can be fixed, but it has to be broken first. And if maybe if we say this or know somebody who says this, we may not have been broken. Instead of trusting to do what only God can do, we trust ourselves. And when we do that, we just spin our wheels and we end up going nowhere. You may say not even God can fix that part of my life, but my response would be to you is, have you let him? See, it's clear when a person is unbroken before God, they become brittle and unmoldable. When I was doing children's ministry, look, there was one thing I loved to do. In the beginning, we'd, we used to put out, before church started, we used to put out Play-Doh for kids. We used to create objects with them. It was fun. I even had like, okay, I'm going to give you two minutes and go and create your best thing. And we'd go around and, and see what everyone created. But there's things that I don't like about Play-Doh. The first one is this. Don't mix the colors. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that bugs me to no end. Play-Doh should not be mixed. And if you use it and, and you, uh, you know, put it together on something, you should separate it when you're done. <laughs> but the other reason I didn't like it, I dislike picking up stray pieces after service on the ground. Sure, we had a great time, but picking it up was not always fun because the Play-Doh would become hard and brittle. And when Play-Doh becomes hard and brittle, what do you do? Throw it away. Why? It's good for nothing. See, and that's a picture of us. When God breaks us, he's able to mold us, and we begin to be useful for his plans and his purpose. When we stop allowing him to break us, we become brittle, and he can't mold us. See, there are areas in your life that become like that. There are common areas in our life when we stop allowing God to break us. And what begins to happen is things that shouldn't be there begin to take residency in our life. See, unforgiveness can creep in and stay there as we become brittle. We become judgmental and critical towards others as it begins to take root in our lives. We can become self-righteous and even work towards self-reliance because we need control. And each one of those takes root in our life then we cannot be molded into what God wants us to be. And if God doesn't break the bad inside of me, if he doesn't take and and shape and break the brittle in my life, it will only get worse and worse. See, there is no part of our life that God should not have access to. See, when God breaks us, it is to make us truly whole again. And it requires a mental shift that allows us to trust God with every part of our life. I say this because trusting God can be difficult. And it is a mental shift. Because for some of us, 
It's hard to put your trust in something that you can't see, feel, or touch. Something that isn't tangible. And for others, we just have trust issues. See, we have a hard time trusting people. So it's hard to trust God. We relate our relationships and our human relationships, the way we experience them, we put that and say, that's how our Heavenly Father is. And see, just like people, we feel we might hurt us or even let us down. We kind of feel that God is the same way, that He can be trusted or that He will let us down. But the truth of the matter is this. He can be trusted and will never let you down, despite what you think. So trusting Him, no matter how difficult it may seem, allows Him to break you and I. And we know that in allowing Him to break us, it's the process of making us whole. And the ultimate goal of wholeness is what? It only happens when the brittle and stiff pieces are allowed to be broken off. And if we let Him do what only He can do. See, because brokenness leads to transformation. See, and sometimes it means pain. And nobody likes pain or even will walk through a painful experience. It hurts too much. Maybe physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. Sometimes pain can be a good thing. See, when you were growing up, we said what? Oh man, I have growing pains. See, it was pain letting you know that your body was doing something. It was beginning to grow and take shape. Now, going back to to your bones and and when they break, there's this myth kind of that your bone grows back stronger. Well, that's not the case. Actually, your bone breaks and grows back stronger in one part of the process. And one part of the process, it heals at at its strongest. And when it begins to, to go back together, it says at the point when it begins to, you know, the fibers and the, everything that is encompassing of a bone, when it begins to be put back together, that is the strongest point in the process where the bone is the strongest. And see, when our lives are broken, it may seem that all hope is lost. But if we allow God to break us, we become stronger in our sense. So just like that bone, there's a, the one part where it is the most strongest when it's being healed and put back together. See, we become stronger in the sense that when God begins to put us back together and we become more and more like Him. So as you begin to pray this prayer, break me. Be ready for God to break up pieces of your life that shouldn't be there. As he reveals these things to you, you'll need to be proactive about getting them out of your life. Do what you need to do to break it off and be made whole. And those of you who need to come today, maybe you just need to come broken. And your prayer is just you need to find rest in who God is. And allow him as you come in all of your brokenness, in all of your pain, in all of your hurt, allow Him to heal you and allow Him to put you back together piece by piece by piece so you can receive wholeness. So let's allow God to break us so that we can be made whole. Thanks for listening. And if you would like more information on our church or you'd like to visit us in person, you can go to basinchurch.org. 
And as always, we hope this content helps you on your faith journey.